Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in thee, and in thee, and in all thy seed, and in thee, and in thy seed, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And and he must have sat there and said to himself, this is it? This is the way I bless the families of the earth? By murdering the husbands of the families and the fathers of the families? That's how I bless the families of the earth? This is a torment that will be with Jacob till his dying day. And on his dying day, he'll bring it up and speak about it. And every day, Jacob would ask himself, why? Why did this happen? Why did it happen? Who's to blame? What could I have done? All goes back to verse 5. He held his peace until they were come. It all goes back to those four words, until they were come. He held his peace until his sons were come. Then Jacob held his peace. And then he yielded his authority in the home to his sons. And that's the question as to why. Why did this happen? Because Jacob yielded his position as head of the house to his sons. That's the answer. He yielded his command in his home. And that's the answer. It all goes back to those four words in verse five, until they were come. Husbands and fathers, what authority have you yielded in your home? That's a question from this chapter. Husbands and fathers, what responsibility of leadership have you yielded? Because you said, you know what? It's just not worth the fight. It's just not worth the fight. Whatever. That's what Jacob did. That's what Jacob said. Jacob said, whatever. And the whatever turned out to be the greatest tragedy in his life. And for the rest of his life, he regretted it. And a thousand times, he wished he took control of his sons and took command of his home thousand times. And and husbands and fathers, this is a chapter to take instruction from. Be the leader in the home. Be the head of the home. Lead the family in prayer and Bible reading and in devotions. Take an interest in the lives of wives, your wives, your children. Listen to them. Speak with them. Give them direction. That's what love is. Love them, in other words. Love them. Now, Jacob yielded the leadership in his uh, home to his sons. That was the greatest hatred that Jacob had into his family. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. How? Husbands, love your wives by taking an interest in them. 
by listening to them, by speaking with them, by interceding for them. Isn't that how Christ loves us? Isn't that how Christ loves the church? He takes an interest in our lives. He listens to us when we pray. He speaks to us through his word. He intercedes for us. The right hand of the Father ever liveth to make intercession for us. And he gives direction to us. That's what he does. And so husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's how. By taking the leadership of love. Leadership of love in the home. The love that takes an interest in. The love that listens to. The love that speaks with. You know, not barks to. But speaks with. The love that intercedes for and the love that gives direction to. Those are the five actions of the leadership of love. Five actions of the leadership of love. Take an interest in, listen to, speak with, intercede for, and give direction to. And this chapter stands as a monument to what happens when those five actions are just ignored and not done as the leadership of love was ignored here. Now, the tragedy here of the defilement of Dinah that's happened is that, and we pick up our account here as we're, as we're looking, we're in this, in this verse six, because all of a sudden now the father of the offender is appearing in verse six. Tamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to commune with him. Now let's put ourselves in, um, you know, put ourselves in, in his place, in Hamer's place, you know. I mean, you know, he's minding his own business. I don't know what he's doing. He's minding his own business. And here comes his son, and he's got this young, probably 13-year-old girl with him. And he learns what happened between them. And his son tells him, you know, my soul is longing for this little girl. And I want her to be my wife. And he wants his father now to go get the girl for his wife, for his son. I mean, that's, a, that's an issue. You know, and so Hamor, he's just faced with a dilemma. You know, what, what am I going to do? What are my options here? Well, let's see, his son's got the girl in his house and, and Hamer's people, okay, well, yeah, they're more in number and, and so they could probably make a pretty good fight for it. So one option for Hamer is, okay, we'll go to war. We'll go to war and we'll tell Jacob, your daughter's not coming back and if you don't like it, you know, get your swords and we'll have it out. Okay, that's one option. And Hamer thinks, well, you know, it's gonna be a loss of life either way, that doesn't sound so good. So he decides in a more peaceful course that, you know, why don't I just go out and talk with uh, Jacob? Why don't I commune with him? You know? And I wonder what kind of a meeting that was. You know, <laughs> for six, you know, that would have been interesting. You know? And so what we see Hamor here, he's a man who's just, you know, okay, something bad has happened. It's a bad event. So let me try to make the best of it here. Let me see what I can do. You know, that, that's Hamor. And so when we read the word commune, we see in Hamor, it's an effort on Hamer's part, to try to get an agreement with Jacob. And Jacob, he's silent, okay? And, you know, we can feel for Jacob. I mean, you know, now we feel for Jacob. Now we put ourselves in Jacob's you know, shoes. And we find out in verse 8, you know, verse 8, Hamer communed with them, saying, the soul of my son Shechem longeth for your daughter. I pray you give him to wife. So that's really what the subject was about with this community together. Now, we can imagine that. So now, when Jacob hears this word soul, soul, he says soul. You know, he doesn't say I love or something like that, but he says the word soul, nephesh, soul. That was all Jacob needed to hear because that was the very thing that concerned Jacob. 
that you know, there's a uniqueness of the soul of Israel as was just formed in, his, in, in Genesis 32 to him personally, but also from his whole family of, uh, of Abraham and Isaac. And what he's hearing here is that the uniqueness of the soul of Israel should be lost in an entanglement here with, with marriages that shouldn't be. So it's very significant that Hamar uses the word soul. And that's the you know, soul, that's the word in the national anthem in, in, in um, Israel, Atikva. You know, the national anthem, it, it, it goes, Kolod Beleva Panima. Okay, so as long as in the heart within. Nefesh Yehudi Homia, so that a Jewish soul still yearns. Ufate Mitzrach Kadima, so it, onward toward the ends of the east. Ayin Letzion Sophia, so that means that an eye still gazes toward Zion. And then it said, Od Lo Avda Tzikenu. So what that means is, Od yet, not yet. No, lost. Not yet, not lost. Our hope. In other words, our hope is not yet lost. See, that's the national anthem, uh, uh, you know, in, in Israel, you know. See, can I sing it? I don't know. There it go. Kolo beleva penima nefesh yehudi homia ufate mitzrakadima ayin letzion sofia so that's the hope is not yet lost. Whenever there's a Jewish soul, it's a word, the, the emphasis on soul, there's a Jewish soul. The Jewish soul is very important. When God called Abraham to be a people, he didn't call him just to have a, uh, any old soul. He had to call him to have a soul for God. The Jewish soul is described in 2 Samuel 7.23, where, where it says, and what one nation is is in the earth, is like thy people. Even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people, for himself, and make him, na- make him a name, and do great things and terrible for thy land, before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people, Israel, for a people unto thee forever. And thou, o Lord, art become their God. So this Jewish, this soul, this concept of the soul, the Jewish soul, the, the nefesh Yehudi, the Jew, is, is what sets the Jewish people apart. And the soul of a person is this being. It's this being. The soul of a person is the being of a person. So Jacob hears this word soul. You know, he says, the soul of my son Shechem, long after your daughter, I pray you, give her him and wife, make you marriages with us, give you daughters, and so forth. So he hears these words soul and marriages, it's terrifying. No wonder he can't speak. It's a terror of two words that this man has said, soul and marriages. And it all comes down to verse 16 when the proposal is, we will become one people. You know, there's a very, very important, you know, lam echad, am echad, you know, uh, one people, one people. That's what's so terrifying to Jacob, you know, that there should be no more Hivite, there should be no more Jew, there should be Lamechad, there should be one people, a mixture of uh, Hivite and Jew, where Jew and Hivite are just lost in each other. That's terrifying. It's just about Dinah here. 
This is something much deeper. This is the loss of the nefesh Yehudi. This is the loss of the Jewish soul. This is the loss, as the national anthem says, it says, not yet, our hope is lost. This is the loss of the hope. This is the end of God's plan to have a people to make him a name. This is an unbelievable proposal, prospect for Jacob as he now sees with this prospect the total disillusion of what the French call the raison d'etre. So the raison d'etre is a very important concept because it, it literally, raison d'etre means the reason to be, the reason to be, or the reason for being, the reason for being. You know, that's challenging. That's before Jacob here because Jacob is being challenged now with, Jacob, what is your, what is your reason for being? What is your raison d'etre? And let me ask you, Someone says to you, what is your reason for being? You know, okay, what do I mean by that? What is it in your life that is so important to you that you would say, that's the reason I exist? That's my, that's my reason for being. I mean, what is it in your life that's so important that you, you'd say that? Okay, what would you say? To serve the Lord? Okay. Okay, Betsy, what would you say? It's so important to you that you'd say, this is the reason for my being. This is the reason I exist. Testimony. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, see, verse 10. Now you look at verse 10. You tell me, what is Hamor's reason for being? What is his raison d'etre? What is it in Hamor's life that's so important that you feel that Hamor would say, this is the reason I exist? What would it be? Verse 10. The marketplace. Okay. You shall dwell with us. The land shall be before you. So what's important? Real estate, land right? And trade the marketplace. Get you possessions. Get you possessions therein. See, get land. Get more possessions. That's the abundance of things. Hamar would say, listen, I'm going to tell you something. The reason for my being or my life consists in the abundance of things that I possess. That's what he's saying here. And you realize that that's true for most people today? I mean, you know, most people could say, uh, give me the Hamar badge. All right? I'll wear that. Because that's the position people take, is Hamor's position. Most people today would say, the person who has the most toys wins. <laughs> you know, that's what it is. But what did the Lord Jesus Christ say about the person who has the most toys? He said in Luke 2.15, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the, thing, in the abundance of the things which he possesses. So first of all, he starts off, he talks about the Hamar position. He says, take heed and beware. This is personal for you. He's saying, this is a real danger for you. He calls Hamar's position to make, to make his life only consistent in the abundance of things which he possesses. He calls that covetousness. That's one of the Ten Commandments, covetousness. The Lord said that a man's reason for being does not consist, it's not about the abundance of the things that he possesses. That's not his life. And if that's a man's reason for being, then if the most important thing for a man in his life is so that he would say, this is my reason for to exist, is to amass the abundance of things, then the Lord said, there's going to be a great loss to you. Great loss. In Mark 8.36, Mark 8.36, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The loss of the soul, the loss of the nephesh, the loss of the soul, that's what God's warning to Jacob here is, is he hears Hamar talk about the soul and mix it together with the possessions in, in verse 10. Get you possessions there. And possessions, you know, Jacob's possessions. Did I hear possessions? What's God's perspective on possessions? 
Man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. So God's warning to Jacob when he hears Hamor talk about the soul and possessions is, what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world and, and lose his own soul? Jacob used to be like Hamor. He used to be like Hamer, you know, looking for abundance of possessions, but something happened to him. And now Jacob limps. He's got a limp. And Jacob could say to, to Hamer, Hamer, see this limp? You know, you know why I got this limp? Because God touched me. God touched me. He could sing that. You know, shackled by a heavy burden, you know, neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. Now, Hamar, I'm no longer the same. <laughs> you can say that. And when the Lord touched Jacob's thigh, he's no longer the same. He's no longer like Hamar. He's no longer, he's no longer on Hamar's page. And Jacob has a new reason for being. He's got a new reason for being. He has something other than possessions that's so important to him that we'd say, okay, this is the reason I exist. As you were saying, you know, to be a testimony, to show God's creation, to serve the Lord. And this is it. So what is the reason for Israel's existence? You boil it down and say, okay, this is the most important thing that really defines Israel's reason to exist. Okay, 2 Samuel seven twenty three again. What nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make him a name? What? To make him a name. And to do for you great things and terrible. That's Israel's reason for existence. If you were to say, what's the most important thing in the life of this people, in the life of the, they would say, the reason the, to make him a name. That's it. That's what God said. That's your reason. That's your reason. That's what we should see as our reason. Of course, all these things you've said are making God a name. That's our reason for existing. This is the most important thing. Make him a name. Make God a name. Well, how do you do that? How do you do it? How do you make God a name? <laughs> yeah? That's it. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. See? See, the light shines. See, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, when we do good works, we glorify God in heaven. What kind of good works are there? Daniel 12, 3. They that be wise shall be as, shall shine. Light shine. Shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. When we witness about the Lord Jesus Christ, when we seek to turn others to righteousness, then we glorify God. In Psalm 86, 9, Psalm 86, 9, speaks all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. We tell others about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We glorify God. We are bought with a price, it says in 1 Corinthians 6.20. We are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirits, which are God's. And it goes on in 1 Corinthians 10.31. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Do all to the glory of God. If you eat, if you drink, do all to the glory of God. And finally, we see people are, are really fulfilling their reason for being in Revelation 4.11 in heaven. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. So the true 
Jewish soul. I, I mean, not just the Jewish soul, but the true Jewish soul is a soul that glorifies Jehovah Jesus, which is why most people we see today have been cut off from the vine of Jehovah Jesus. They've lost the true Jewish soul, and many Gentiles have been grafted into the vine of Jehovah Jesus and have gained the true Jewish soul, which is what makes it. I told you Israel's national anthem there and tried to sing it. Okay, Hatikva. That makes it it's so interesting. Why? I have a friend, Orthodox lady, and she went to Orthodox Yeshiva High School. And one day in high school, she wanted to sing Hatikva. She wanted to sing the Israel's National Anthem, and which talks about the Jewish soul. And her headmaster rabbi said, you are not allowed to sing that. And my friend was, you have to know her, I know her, but she's, you know, you don't say that to my friend. So my friend was so angry, she's a little girl. So she goes into the girl's restroom and she sings it at the top of her lungs. <laughs> there, take that, you know. <laughs> you can't come in here, I'll sing it in here. Then later, she w- went to the rabbi and she asked him, why wasn't I allowed to sing Hatikva? And she was told, because of the author of Hatikva, Naftali Hertz Imber. That was the person who wrote the uh, Israel's national anthem, Naftali Hertz Imber, and he said he became a Christian. Okay, which means maybe the author of the Israel's national anthem who wrote about the Jewish soul, he found the true Jewish soul yeah? when he was grafted back into the vine of Jehovah Jesus, and he became a literal Jew for Jesus. <laughs> now it says in verse 6, that Hamar, he came out to commune with Jacob. It's important to see this trouble that's coming to Jacob here, how it's really gonna hit him from four different angles. I mean, first in verse five, you know, Jacob, he's under pressure because uh, someone or some group of people come to him and confront him with this news that his daughter's been defiled. So first he's on that pressure here with thinking about, well, you know, what am I gonna do to get my daughter back who's been kidnapped? you know, by the Hivites. And so he's concerned, Jacob is concerned, about his own vulnerability. And, he, and you see that in the last verse 30 here. You see that, like, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you've troubled me to make me distinct among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the being. I being few in number, they shall gather together against me and slay me, and I'll be destroyed in my, I and my house. So he's worried, and he's thinking, I gotta avoid war you know, at the Hivites. So this is pressure on him. And, and so Jacob, in verse five, he's trying to deal with this issue of Dinah and avoiding war. The next wave of pressure comes and it hits him as Hamor comes, the father of the offender, and he's talking to Jacob about soul and possessions. And he, said, he, he says nothing about the soul of Dinah. It's only about the soul of his son. And, and all Jacob could think of is how I'm just gonna get all entangled now in wrong marriages, so under this pressure, uh, Jacob is feeling, Hamar just leans on him for a decision. You know, I pray, verse eight, I pray you, give her him to, to wife. He's got this pressure now. Then in verse seven comes this next wave of pressure on Jacob, uh, which is her sons. They're hot. They're angry. They have a fanatical thirst for revenge. Revenge. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the heavens and the earth? Then come celebrate Creation Day on Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. This is a Christian family festival event with games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, petting zoos, animal shows, super science experiments for kids, plus life-size dinosaurs at our brand-new Dinosaur Gardens exhibit, plus world-renowned speakers, Ray Comfort, Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, Jay Siegert, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements are free for your family and the entire church family. The Creation Earth History Museum is located off Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue North in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. Bring your family and friends Saturday, November 5th and strengthen your faith at Creation Day, San Diego's Christian Family Festival event. For more information, call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org creationsd.org.